Hi, how are you going? You're with Karen, accentuating the positive. I'm chatting today with Mike Warsman, the founder of A Million Smiles, a movement which is changing our world. He wants to upload a million smiles to his website, spreading joy and positivity throughout the world. Why don't you join him and put your smile up there as well with a short story? Go to a amillionsmilesmovie.com. Mike's such an inspirational young man, winning the Channel 9 South Australian Young Achiever Award 2015. You got to You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello, welcome to Accentuate the Positive Media. I've got another fascinating change maker, difference maker, disruptor to speak with you today. He's the founder of A Million Smiles, Mike Warsman. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hey, good. Thank you. Very good. Great to have you on the show. You were a journalist before you started this campaign. It's a campaign, I suppose, or a movement, really, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people like to to call it a movement, but I think it's just... It's just me. It's just who I am and, and what I'm doing in this world. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big one for labels or, on things, but it's it's essentially the first couple of things that we'll be doing is creating a book and a film and then from there launching more of the movement side of things, which would be, you know, looking to, to get happiness to become, you know, more of a priority in our lives through a number of mediums, working with businesses, education facilities and these sorts of things as well. So, How did you arrive at... I want to create more smiles. I want to create more happiness. What was happening in your life? I founded a, a news organization that was, I guess, uh, sharing a, a slightly different view of the world. You know, people would say it was a more positive view, but I think it was just a more accurate view of the world. So, yeah, look, uh, from there, I wanted to go out and do something by myself. I knew that, but, you know, I was, I was sort of searching for things and, and I'd just written an article for the news organization I, I was working with around loneliness had just become the number one cause of depression in the Western world. And it was just before Christmas in 2012. And I I was walking with a friend, very busy intersection, thousands of people around. And um, I'd just written this article and we're talking about it on the way. And, you know, I I couldn't help but to, to notice even more than I normally would that people were sort of just not at all concentrating on that present moment. So people were either on their phones or distracted by things in their ears or not possibly looking at you. Sort of, It's like it was rude for them to have their head up and actually acknowledge that they're living in this world with other people. And um, it suddenly, I guess, made even more sense to me in, in quite an abrupt way. Um, and I, I turned to my friend and said, I'm doing something about this. This is a horrendous thing to, to see that we're lonelier than we've ever been yet. We're more connected, as people would say, than we've ever been. And to start looking at what can a simple smile do on getting us to interact with one another. And then I guess it went through months and months of process of what did I want a million smiles to be? And we arrived at the idea that, you know, for a long time I'd been wanting to write a book and and make a film. But rather than writing this book or making this film and crossing my fingers, I guess I've always been someone that believes that if you're going to do something and you only get one opportunity to do it, you've got to absolutely make the most of it. So I looked at about a five-year process and we're about two and a half years through that, which was effectively building an audience of people that were interested in happiness, interested in smiling more. I guess our tagline as such 
our vision is is to see adults smiling as often as kids because as soon as I started to do some digging around, you pretty quickly realised that there's a very sad statistic. On average, most adults smile less than 20 times a day, whereas for children it's 400. So how could we arrive at a reality where uh, adults actually smiled just as much as kids or at least, you know, made up some of that gap, um, which is just, I guess, it's maybe a sad reflection of, of the world that we've created ourselves. You know, your intent is, is pretty much the same as my intent with this show. I started this show about five years ago because I realised that people's happiness and their contentment and their peace and their well-being a lot of the beliefs are perpetuated through a media system that presents you every aspect of despair on the planet. And so maybe we could present people like you and, and people that are actually doing great things and see the world in a light, as you say, a more realistic light. There's actually so much good happening on the planet. There's mm. so much fantastic stuff happening. But ultimately, we can present as much as we like and people smiling and all but it is an inside job, the whole happiness thing, you know. Yeah. It's an inside job, even though people like you and me are out there sort of presenting more, accentuating the positive, you know, presenting more positive media. It is an inside job and children are smiling from the inside. It's their presence. They're in the moment. They're happy to be there. They're not worrying too much. And that's yeah. how do you help people I, find well, that? I tend to look at it, if, if you look at it like a recipe, so I think all the ingredients are within us to be happy. So, yeah. yes, it's an inside job and it's all muddled up because society tells us to be this way or that way or tells us that we need this amount of money or we need to have this sort of car or house. Whereas I think what we need and what A Million Smiles is trying to do is just to be that spark that might just rearrange and help people understand how to use those ingredients. So, you know, there are sort of, I guess, six key themes that we've done a lot of research. We've had thousands of people uploading their smiles. And as they do that, they give us really interesting data. We've sort of found that if you step through it, the ultimate lesson in happiness can come from, I guess, I, I'm not one for those six steps or 10 steps to happiness, but the, the words that we seem to, to find associated with, with people that do smile really from their heart every day the first lesson that I think we need to learn is to be authentic, to be ourselves. You know, I think once we are ourselves, the next thing is to find your purpose or your passion in, in this world. You know, for me, I, I guess I'm, I feel so lucky that I've, I've found that because then that allows you to appreciate your life, which is probably the next lesson. So once we're authentically ourselves, we've found our passion, then hopefully we can be grateful for who we are and what we have in our life. And once we learn to be appreciative, particularly this is a huge one for Australians, then hopefully we can learn to give, which is, you know, scientifically proven to make us happier and, and smile more. And then the big couple that can send us spiralling into depression or make us the happiest people on earth, the last two elements that we seem to find that people need is a community or a family they feel a part of, they have support from. Um, and then the final one, the one that I guess can get our heart fluttering with butterflies is, is love. Um, so I, th I think, you know, if, if I was to look at six words or six ideas, we seem to find through thousands of discussions through our research, it's been authentic, finding your purpose, appreciating and, and being grateful for what we have, and then learning to give, and then family or community and, and love, which, you know, I, I think that no matter where you are in the world, no matter how much money you have, no matter what you have in your life or who you have in your life, if you have those six things, 
in some sort of balance and you've arranged them in some sort of way inside yourself, like if that's, you know, the process, the method to step through your ingredients and, and to put them into some sort of order, yeah, I guess that's how I tend to look at things. But look, happiness is, is a unique and individual thing and that's why nowhere along our journey will we ever tell people this is what will make you happy. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's you can find it. You can, well, I mean, give you some, some stimulus and see what reacts with your ingredients. Well, we can shift around the circumstances. We can create all those things in our lives, but it's believing those patterned thoughts, those subconscious thoughts that keep running those stressful thoughts, those limiting thoughts. I was, look, I, I love to, like when I'm interviewing people, I love to bring my life into, because it, there's, the synchronicity always lines up. So the other day I'm at a girlfriend's place and she has all those things. She's a giver, unbelievable giver. She has a great family. She has a great support network. She has a great job. You know, she's got the stuff, the ducks in a row, but she can't be, she wasn't being present in the moment. I'm, she's asking me questions about what had gone on on radio. And she's thinking about the washing and the lunch and the husband stressed out. And, and so there's this idea running inside of her that she's got to be there to look after everybody and she's got to look after everybody's needs. And, and what if she gets it? You know, like those ideas about yourself that run you, that just steal your happiness. You know what yeah. I mean? I think, I think that's partly appreciation for me is that's where, you know, if you look to look at those six words, it's like appreciating like right now. Because right now is all that exists. Appreciate being in the now, yeah. yeah. Because what I noticed about her was that she couldn't be in the now because she was thinking about the next and the next and the next and what to do next and what, and like asking you a question but not listening because I've got to get the lunch on and then I've got to clean the lunch and then someone's coming over and then I've got to do that and then I've got it's like that constant being in the next step and and feeling overwhelmed like there's so much to do I'm so busy and no one's helping me and I'm doing it all myself and you know those stressful thoughts that we all indulge in and and I, I think we've we've almost been taught which is a funny thing that seems to really create a lot of stress like like you're talking about we've been taught that it's almost like the it thing or the cool thing to be really stressed out and busy like <laughs> oh how are you oh I'm so busy as if that's a good thing you know whereas I, I mean pulled over our, our eyes like oh, it's great to be busy and stressed out. Whereas, you know, really, I, I think that the ultimate thing that most people will be saying, yeah, I'm really relaxed and, and peaceful and happy with how things are in my life because I'm content with right now. You've, uh, <laughs> you've, um, you've shown me up. I had a phone call this morning from someone I haven't spoken to for a little while. She said, how are you? I said, really busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah what, what would you say? I'm, how are you? I'm really um, not busy and I don't uh, know. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm really happy doing X, Y, Z. Like, whereas we just, I mean, look, I, I'm guilty of it as well. And, yeah. and many of the things that, that I say I'm guilty of in some way or another, I use my phone. You know, I communicate online a lot because that's where my business is. So, look, I, I think it's, it's really important to, everything's in balance. Everything's in balance. So you can't always be in the now. I, I understand that. And I'm sure you do as well. To organize this phone call and this, this chat, we had to, plan ahead for those moments that you might be doing those things. Yeah, of course, you can't just strictly be in the now looking at what the wind is doing, the butterflies and the flowers around you and these sorts of things. So, yeah, I think it's everything's in balance. Everything's got to be in balance. So you've been traveling the world filming people and filming the different way that people are happy. Tell us about your ventures, adventures. So yeah. it's been like two years now that you've been traveling yeah. around. 
Yeah, tough, tough life. Tough. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I guess we, we look for people, places and, and uh, ideas that can inspire people to find and also pursue what makes them smile because I think we all sort of know if we look inside what might make us happy or smile, but it's actually the pursuit of that that's a really difficult part because that means sacrificing perhaps some of the things that we know to be true or that we have to have this or that in our life like I was talking about before. Some of the places that I thought we'd start out, would go, would be the places where people think there wouldn't be happiness on earth. So some of the poorest of the poor people homeless and disadvantaged uh, orphans and these sorts of things in Cambodia. Uh, there was a rubbish dump where people lived in, in an abandoned rubbish dump. Um, there's needles and all sorts of horrendous things going on and yet these people are so beautifully content with what they have and these are the poorest of the poor. Like They would be on much less than $2 a day and yet they were the ones actually willing to help other poor people in their community who had been orphaned perhaps by the Khmer Rouge regime or by various diseases and these sorts of things that are present in places like Cambodia. Um, I guess most recently I, I came back from Afghanistan, which I thought I knew what desperation and poverty and the worst of humanity could look like and, until I went to, I guess, a place that's just beyond words, to be honest. You know, some of the things I saw in Afghanistan... And, and probably the thing that shattered me the most was when I was leaving and one of the boys who I'd become quite good friends with, he said, oh, don't worry because I had tears in my eyes. And he said, don't worry, we're used to this. And I said, no, but you shouldn't be used to this. No human being should ever have to get used to this. And so, you know, it's, it's those stories that can hopefully teach us. I guess the one in Cambodia is about appreciation and giving and these people had that purpose. It was a small purpose. It was just to help their neighbours, to help their friends and what had become their community and family. And places like Afghanistan, like let's learn how to love unconditionally all people because while we've dehumanised this country for so long, there's such beautiful, loving people there that have so much to give to this world and yet we'd sort of just say, nah, they're all in this box. They've all got big beards and they're all going to kill us. You know, and so we just move this whole box of people out of our sort of realm of, of reality and think that there's nothing useful over there. And, and there is. There is. I've, I've just come back from there and there's a video we've already published about probably one of the most inspiring people I've ever met in my life and, and my whole life for the last seven or eight years has been just meeting inspiring people. So I guess that, that sort of says um, something about the, the sorts of people that you can meet in places that you don't expect to find happiness. And, and this man, you know, who's a Singaporean doctor, given up his whole life to go find peace and happiness in Afghanistan, and he's found it, mm. you know. It's not just that he's gone and, and found it. He's literally pursued it and he's found it. You know, and it's that deep, true happiness, I think, that, that yeah. sometimes people get. He said he was happy beforehand as a working as a GP, earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in Singapore. He had a nice, comfortable life and he was, you know, saying, look, I, I used to smile, yeah, and I used to be relatively happy, but that deep happiness and contentment that he now has yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. And that's important for people to understand, I think. There's this surface happiness and then there's that deep happiness of, like, it fills your heart, you know, it fills your body with this satisfaction of yeah. the that you're, you're on the right path and living a life that you should be. I guess that showcasing those stories, you know, really reminds us in the West who have everything. When you see people that are incredibly happy with nothing, mm. it reminds you that happiness is an inside job, that it's not the stuff 
or the job or the money or the lover or the circumstances or the friends that is the reason that you're happy. It's like I'm happy for no reason. These people that live in garbage dumps have no reason to be happy, no reason to be happy. So can we be happy for no reason? Like just because I choose to feel good, I choose to feel good. I was at a charity function yesterday, Ladies in Pink, raising money for Patria King who helps people that are dealing with death. A lot of people have cancer, but people that are dealing with death both of themselves and of their friends. And, you know, a lot of the stories that were being presented there was it wasn't until death came to meet me that I actually, like, I made that choice that life's too short Maybe I could stop stressing. Maybe I could stop worrying about the job and not work so hard and actually choose to be present and be happy and be here now and enjoy this moment because there might not be moments after this. I mean, powerful messages. Yeah, Yeah. well, I think probably one of the defining stories that I was covering for the news organisation that I'd founded before A Million Smiles was which led to me wanting to pursue a project that was more centered around happiness rather than news sharing, was I was interviewing a terminal cancer patient and she had her two boys and her husband standing right behind her. And I I sort of just asked her, I, I, you know, I said, how do you feel? She said, look, I'm the luckiest person alive. And you, you go, what? I said, how can you say that when your boys are behind you and, and you've got six months to live? And she said, look, until two years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer, I wasn't living life. And in the last two years, I've probably experienced more love, more appreciation for everything that I'm doing and for everyone in my life, you know, than maybe I would have if I lived to be 105. So it is really sad that why does it take this horrendous thing that might happen in our life or it takes that midlife crisis where we go off and you know, we buy a car and realize that that's still not making us happy, our new Porsche or Ferrari, and then we commit suicide or we do whatever, you know, comes after that. Or hopefully we have that awakening that we go like that doctor had and, and go and find ourselves somewhere. But, yeah, certainly I, I think it comes back what you were saying before is, you know, li- living in that present moment, maybe some of these illnesses teach us to do that because we might not have the next moment. I think that truth of the matter is happiness is within all of us and it is an inside job and and hopefully we can inspire people to take that five seconds in our busy life to just stop and then to look inside, to shut your eyes for five seconds and go, why am I here? Because that's ultimately what we all want to discover, I think, when we shut our eyes for five seconds and think about our life is why am I here? And if you start pursuing why you think you're here and you start listening to that little voice inside of you, I think that's that's going to show you to a happier life. Um, and it's going to take really a lot of sacrifice. Like I don't get paid for anything I do with A Million Smiles. People think we have offices all around the world because I take this as my profession. And I'm very lucky to be living in Australia and to have maybe 10 or 20% of my time taken up making money so that I can do a million smiles for the rest of it. But that's a sacrifice. Like I could be making a lot more money if I wanted to just work my whole life, but that's a decision I've made for my happiness. Um, and I would encourage people to, to understand that you can't always have that. You can't have everything, basically. 
you know, you look oh, at... Oh, look, I disagree with that. You can have everything. But what is what do you define as everything? I mean, that's well, the question. Let's look, at, let's look at someone that in the eyes of, I would say, a good 80 to 90% of Australians, Buddy Franklin. Very well-known AFL superstar. He's a model. He's got all these other contracts. He's a sporting like, person, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's a sporting... I don't know who he is. <laughs> well... He's a, he's a Sydney man. He's just moved to Sydney. But I'm, I'm sure probably most people would know who Buddy Franklin is. He's one of the wealthiest, most highly paid AFL stars. He's got a $10 million contract. He's got modelling labels with politics and all these big brands. He lives in a mansion in Sydney. He's got a beautiful, I think, fiancé or, or wife now. He has everything. Right. And yet he's just being diagnosed with depression. Oh, okay. Um, so if you have everything, I mean, they say that the highest percentage of depressed people are, are millionaires and even above that, billionaires. It shows that if you have everything that society tells you will make you happy, which is often money-centric, it doesn't go any way to making you happy. If a small amount of money can get you a roof over your head versus no roof or some food and water versus no food and water, I think that can lead to happiness. But anything above sort of having a bit of shelter, bit of food and water that's safe, I think that's luxury. Above that doesn't seem to make you much happier in yeah. my experience. The paradigm is the overriding paradigm for the majority of people is money will make me happy hmm. because money will give me freedom to be and do and have what I want or it will help me feel secure or whatever. And, you know, you and I and people like, the sporting star. A testament to that is absolutely the most bogus idea. It's just not yeah. true. Because have money, don't have money, not involved in happiness. Because you said like a million smiles is not a paid thing. And for the majority of the, this radio program, this show that I put on is not a paid thing either. But it has enriched my life like a hundred million fold because mm. I get to meet people like you and mm. have these conversations and then spark this conversation with everyone I meet and I get to yeah. meet, I get invited all to all these places and, oh, look, it's just the most fulfilling thing but it's not a monetary thing at all. Uh. So there's that dispelling that idea that money is what you want because money is going to give me the happiness. Sure, we need to survive and we need money. But then you, at some point, you just got to chill out yeah. about how the money comes and just allow the yeah. money to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think if we, if we pursue what we're really passionate about, nine times out of ten, you're going to be really good at it. Yeah. And so people are actually going to want to hire you because say I've got some weird passion where I just love painting flowers. People always say, oh, you're an artist. Oh, yeah, good luck making money with that. But if you're literally, that's what your passion is, you'll be the best at it. And so you'll make money. You won't have these worries in your life. I would consider myself a storyteller. Beyond all the other qualifications or things that I've got at university, I'd say I'm a storyteller. And hopefully I'm a relatively good one. But I'm sure by the end of my life, I'll be one of the best, hopefully. And that has afforded me the right amount of money that I need to live life. It's afforded me the ability to travel the world and, and pursue, you know, the happiness that, that I find in, in doing that. My happiness really, which it's fortunate and unfortunate at times, is I think so linked to sparking others to find their path or journey to happiness. So, you know, I get a real kick when we get had hundreds of thousands of messages um, over the last couple of years of people that maybe just got that little bit 
they've woken up in the morning and seen a photo that we've posted and, and said, oh, thanks, you've just changed my day. And, yeah. you know, it's those tiny little moments. If we actually stop, like I was saying before, for five seconds and look at those moments and say, all right, I enjoyed that moment. Well, why don't I have more of those moments instead of flogging myself with a stick to go to work, to pay for a house I don't really need or a car I don't really need? Um, why don't I live a simpler life and, and spend more of my time loving and giving and, and being present in, in this moment? And it sounds, people always say, oh, that, oh, yeah, that sounds easy. And, yeah, it takes sacrifice, people. It takes so much sacrifice at times. Like, I mean, just recently hasn't been my happiest time, but you can't be happy all the time. You know, because sometimes the sacrifices you're making aren't getting the energy you're putting out isn't the same as, as what's coming back. But that's life. Like, you know, you, you'll get it back maybe in a month or two months and that's faith. You know, I'm not a religious yeah. person, but I believe in faith. Well, there is this buffer of time. So, you know, desire yeah. doesn't manifest instantly and that's what's so frustrating. You have an idea, you have a thought, you have a desire. You say, this is what I want. This is what I want to create. This is who I want to be. And when it doesn't happen immediately, that's what can destroy our happiness. Yeah. But faith or trust or knowing or education about the law of attraction or about the buffer of time or about how creation works, I think, is such a powerful tool in understanding that all desires become manifest. It might not look exactly like what you think, but sometimes if you let the universe handle or life handle the details, what you'll get will be so much better than what you could have ever imagined. Yeah. You know, And when we try and control how it's supposed to look, that's the thief of happiness as well, yeah. that control drama. And so it's like I've put it out there. This is what I want to create. Life, I'm looking forward to seeing how you create that for me so that I can enjoy. I mean, that's yeah. my mantra. I sort of put it out there and let it come. And yeah. the more you relax and enjoy the moment, the faster it comes. That's the trick, you know. Absolutely. The, the, the less you struggle to make it happen and just relax and allow it to happen, the faster yeah. it comes and it comes in ways you could never have imagined in miraculous, beautiful, incredible ways. And, yeah. and I'm sure you've found that traveling the world, doing what you're oh, doing. The best example, I think, of that, of just I was so frustrated. I was in Dubai or the UAE recently and I was just beyond words. I was, it was 60 degrees. I was out photographing in the desert trying to find these people. We'd sort of found these people. It had been a, an incredible day and a very long day of 50 plus degrees all day and uh, I was waiting for a taxi and I just could not possibly find one. You know, and people were just driving past and it looks like they're driving in an empty taxi and no one would pick me up, which was really beginning to upset me a little bit because it was just so hot and I'd been out in the desert for so long and I was burnt as anything and eventually I'd just sort of given up and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start walking this direction and hopefully someone pulls over at some point. Lo and behold, this taxi driver pulls over and, and I get in and he says, oh, where you come from? Where are you going? And I said, oh, look, I'm from Australia. I'm heading to Afghanistan tomorrow. And he said, I'm a member of the Taliban. And I sort of pause for a second and I, I said, you're what? He said, I'm a member of the Taliban and I said, uh, you know, and he said it with a sort of smile, just enough of a smile that I didn't feel completely unsafe and I think we were meant to meet. He progressed to tell me this story about how he'd tried to be an example for his children. They were living in an area of Pakistan called Waziristan where 
all military-aged men have to be a member of the Taliban, otherwise basically your family is killed. So he was not a Taliban member by choice, and he still had to go back for one month training every year. And this man said, look, how does someone who's stuck in such a situation find happiness? And this is what I started asking him about. And he said, look, I guess I've just tried to be an example to my two boys that no matter what's thrown at you in life, you still have the choice to live the life that will make you happy and and make you smile. And a story that he then went on to tell me was beyond incredible. So I said, well, you know, how do you do this to to two boys who are going to, I guess, be brainwashed to some extent um, over the coming years to think that killing and, and these sorts of things are okay and that there is only... There is only this very extreme view of Islam that is worth following. And he said, well, look, I just see that my wife and I need to be the examples that there is an alternative reality that we can create and we can follow. And he said, look, one day I was out the back of our house and I could hear these sounds and I ended up going to to see what they were because they just continued for some time. And he came across a, a U.S. soldier with a bullet wound in his leg. And I don't want to give too many details about this man, but basically he came across this this U.S. soldier who was screaming and yelling, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. I have a family, I have a family, I have a family, family, family. And he sort of said, well, what, what sort of situation am I in? If I don't kill him, maybe me and my family are going to get killed. If someone saw him at that moment not killing the U.S. soldier, his whole family's dead. So this man just said, shh, just shush to this U.S. soldier. And he spent some time just quickly looking around to see if anyone had seen him speaking to this man because, of course, he should have just ended his pain and shot him in the head. So he took the U.S. soldier over his shoulder into his house and his wife began to attend to his leg and try and stop the bleeding. And he brought his two sons to come and see that there is a different way to murder and and hatred. And so... This man had risked his life already and his, the life of basically everyone he loves. Um, if someone heard them speaking English inside the house, a Taliban member, and had walked in and, and seen them, all, everyone was dead. So this man continued to talk to his children and say, look, this is the alternative. This is the trust and the compassion that creates a different reality for you guys that you know, when you grow up, you don't have to be looking over your shoulder and you don't have to be living in fear. You can pursue the opportunities in life that you want. So, but this U.S. soldier was dying. They couldn't stop the bleeding. He said, look, what were we to do? And, and the U.S. soldier was pleading with them to take, he said, look, the only chance I have, I, have, I need to get surgery on my leg. You have to take me to the U.S. base close by. They didn't have a car. So then the problem was that they were going to have to ask someone else for a car, which meant maybe explaining the situation which wasn't a safe situation to be explaining to people in the community so he did he asked a friend to borrow a car and trusted that that friend would not betray him um, to the Taliban and so they eventually made the decision to take this US soldier to this base which again risked their life if anyone saw inside their car or if they hit a roadblock which is quite common in these countries they'd just all be dead and so this man sort of said actually, wait, before we get to the base, what's going to happen to me if they see that I'm a Taliban member and I've got a wounded U.S. soldier? Are they going to capture me? Are they going to interrogate me? Are they going to kill me? Yeah. And, he, and the U.S. soldier said, look, just trust me, trust me. They'll be so grateful. You know, my family, everyone's going to be so grateful. Just trust. 
And he said it took five seconds to think, trust. I guess that's what he preached to his children, that at some stage we're going to need to learn to talk to one another and trust one another. And ultimately, if he didn't do this, he was going against the lessons that he was teaching his children. So, yeah, he risked his life for a third time, arguably, and and took this man to the base. And this man had surgery and survived, and his family had written to this member of the Taliban and obviously thanked him for risking his life, the life of his family. And, and yet this man is still trapped in this reality of having to go back and train with the Taliban. His children are about to become military age so um, they're going to have to start training and yeah so it's a pretty powerful thing of you know if you have faith if you just say well yeah I'm pissed off I can't find a taxi well maybe the world didn't want you to catch that first taxi so just ride with it and uh, you never know what you might find. That's just the, so. I'm blown away that's just the most <laughs> incredible story yeah. oh my god oh that's just amazing that's, wow yeah. Wow, what an amazing story. Yeah. What an amazing story. Look, apart from the mind-blowing story, you know, something that you said is so poignant and what was being discussed yesterday is it's not really about what happens to you, it's, it's how you react to it Absolutely. that is determining your happiness. One of the speakers yesterday was a woman whose family was murdered by her brother-in-law. He murdered her father, her sister, two children, and that's exactly what she said. It doesn't matter what happens to you, it's mm. how you choose to look at it. And so going from I'm frustrated and hot, I can't find a taxi to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe life was leading you in another direction. And no matter what happens to us, there is a direction that life is leading you down. You yeah. know, it's taking I, you to the path of ultimately where you want to go. I, so, I wanted to be a masseuse as a young kid. That's all I wanted to do. And I really? so I was so pissed off at my parents that they wouldn't pay for this course after I'd finished school. About $2,000, which, you know, it was a bit of money for us back then, but we weren't particularly wealthy. And they said no. And so I ended up going to university instead. I got very good marks at school, but I just wanted to be a masseuse. I've got healing hands, people tell me, and I really enjoyed helping other people. And But lo and behold, I studied journalism and filmmaking, and I'm pretty sure that's what I was meant to be doing and what I'm obviously doing now. So, yeah, it's just such an obvious example that... Yeah, sticks in my mind when people, you know, say, oh, well, how, what do you mean, like, just listening to the world or listening to God or I guess it's just having that openness to accept what's happening right now and, you know, if you're on your journey, then some things seem strange at times, but stick with it. The strangeness is the joy of the ride. I mean, that's a sort of a, uh, not a sort of, but that's a realisation that I've had this year speaking to many different people and some people that channel exalted wisdom from higher perspective and a young kid that shot himself five years ago and he's now a guide and he speaks through mediums. He said this, he said, when you're dead and you're a spirit or you're non-physical, there is no buffer of time. And so you know everything all the time. If you have a question, you have instant knowing or you have instant manifestation. So we're creating our lives all the time. But when you're in non-physical, you create them instantly. But it is that buffer of time that creates anticipation because there is that not knowing. And in that journey of not knowing is where we struggle or where we find our most joy. So that anticipation of I'm going on holiday or I'm going on an adventure. Oh, I'm so excited. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going mm -hmm. to be so fantastic. 
or I don't know what's going to happen and I can worry about it. So it's in that window of that buffer of time, all joy and all not joy happens. So I'm sick. Am I going to die tomorrow or am I going to survive? That not knowing and becoming at peace with not knowing is where the joy lives. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it could be fantastic or it could be not and I'm going to meet it. I'm going to meet it with courage or bravery or that not knowing. That's where we get Yeah. That's where we get the struggle or the joy from. That's what I've yeah. discovered. Yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, living a life that's 100% predictable for me at least doesn't you know, necessarily lead to more happiness. That's why I go and explore and get lost in different countries. You know, and that's not for everyone. I'm, I would never say that the same things that make me happy will make everyone happy, but I think it's just asking yourself what will make you happy at least. So, yeah. You said something really important when you said just stop and ask. What was the question that you asked? Why, why am I here? Why am I here? Hmm. Why am I here and who am I? They're two really powerful questions to ask yourself. Well, why am I here? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, cool. Certainly a million smiles, I think, is, is probably why I'm meant to be here on this, this planet and it's been an amazing ride so far and I guess we've just laid the foundations. The next couple of years we'll be travelling much more in, in Africa, South America and then some of the more developed countries like the US and, and Europe really to try and, I guess, get some of those marketing opportunities going with big TV shows and these sorts of things. Let's look at exactly how a million uh, million miles, a million, (laughs) at how a million smiles works. So you actually ask people to upload stories or photographs. How does it work? Ultimately, I have done the maths and if I uploaded one smile every day of my life, I would need to be a thousand years old before I got to a million. So we intentionally picked a number I couldn't just do by myself because I thought that this journey was something that hopefully we could inspire some others to join and I guess we do that by asking people to yeah up- upload just whether it's their smile or, or a smile of their friend or, or a stranger around the world that they may have captured on, on holidays and to upload just a, it can be a couple of words, it can be a sentence or a full-on story. And so going to a millionsmilesmovie.com, people will see that there's the ability to, to upload photos there and then there's a page of thousands of photos which both I've uploaded and, and people write around the world. So, yeah, look, we've had a great following so far. Our videos have been seen by about 8 million people and our photos about 15 million online. And I think there is a real thirst for those little things that can spark us to pursue what's inside of us, that deep happiness. So, you know, and that's just going to get more and more so as people continue to realize that maybe what we're told to chase in life is a bit of a false idea of of what happiness is. So, yeah, look, I'm really excited about the next couple of years and seeing where A Million Smiles will be by 2016, 2017. And I'd encourage everyone to get on board and upload their smile and, and share their story with the world because we want a million different ideas, a million different people to contribute because there's seven odd billion of us. So, Hopefully someone will will resonate with with your smile or your story because I don't want Mike's smile journey or or anything like that. I want it to be about a million people contributing or 10 billion, you know, by the time the world's that big, hopefully a million smiles is big enough to, to capture everyone. So, yeah.
You're listening to Karen on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm talking with Mike Warsman, the founder of A Million Smiles. Go to a amillionsmilesmovie.com and upload your smile and your story today. He wants a million smiles online. So you're making a movie as well called A Million Smiles and a book. Yeah, so they're the two first primary things that we're working towards at the moment. Obviously, uh, we want to engage a very mainstream audience. So the the film that we'll be creating um, won't be a sort of regular everyday documentary that appeals to the people that are already interested in happiness. It will be a very popular sort of Hollywood-style documentary, mockumentary sort of mix, which we've already been speaking to a number of filmmakers about. And I love the idea, and I, I think that they seem to as well. So... Yeah, very excited about that and also the book, which will, I guess, provide people with a bit more depth and some more of the stories, you know, uh, around the smiles that I've found and some of the stories that I've found uh, more about my personal life as well, which has probably come from pretty dark places at times and, and part of my motivation for doing A Million Smiles was that I've not always been a happy person. When I was young, I, I certainly wasn't that. Then once we've got the, the book and the film there, there's a number of people that have already shown they would love to have some sort of online workshops and these sorts of things so that we can get that greater depth to people that want it in terms of some of the things that you can instill in your life that will um, hopefully make you a, a happier person. The big passion for me is, is to see happiness become a subject of sorts in schools that's compulsory for, say, year eight kids or, or year 10 kids because it's very strange if you ask someone what they want in life, people would generally say, I want to be happy. And yet, we're not taught about happiness. We're not ever taught about how to live that life. And there are definite concrete things that we can be teaching children and adults alike that can lead to a happier life. So I think it's sort of a, a no-brainer. that, And it's already starting to happen in, in some really wealthy elite private schools that seem to be able to afford trying different things. But yeah, certainly I'd love to see that across schools right around the world. I'd love to see that sort of the food revolution that Jamie Oliver maybe does, like a happiness revolution for schools. Well, I'm and, with you there. I'll help you anyway. Uh, Look, you know, I, I've had that same idea. You call it happiness. Some people call it mindfulness. Some people call it meditation. Some people call it yoga. I call it deliberate creation. So happiness is deliberate creation is not about creating the stuff in your life it's creating the thoughts in your head it's like being deliberate with how you think and feel and that ultimately is happiness yeah that's ultimately happiness yeah yeah I think there's always different like it words and and I don't always use happiness that's why we use smiling because smiling is something that you can control so yeah. happiness sounds happiness seems very complicated because people use a lot of those big words like consciousness, mindfulness, yeah. deliberate creation. These, these terms that maybe don't mean the exact same thing. Whereas a smile is the same, from what I've seen everywhere in the world. Smile so, is a smile and you can smile. choose to smile, and it's something that you can feel and that others can feel as well. So that's why there was a lot of discussion around what I would call this project as such, and. Yeah, I think smiling is some is a very obvious thing. Whereas happiness maybe seems very difficult to to put your hands on. Whereas if we all just focus on smiling a bit more often, you know, that's something that we can all all feel and and see in our life. So, yeah, it's a, and and governments and businesses are the other two main things apart from education facilities that that we'd be targeting. So, you know, like Bhutan has done on paper at least, 
you know, having another measure of rather than just GDP. So they've gone with gross national happiness, but you know, maybe to just measure um, the progress in in different countries in in different ways rather than just the monetary. And then obviously within businesses, it, it's really shown that if you invest in the happiness of your employees, actually you get. 25% return on investment because yeah, sure. it makes them more productive and and so we'd love to see workplaces taking on be some sort of accreditation or something like that like you can be fair trade but you can be happiness accredited so yeah probably someone will steal that idea and that patent before we get around to it but that's something that I've Don't been passionate about, about for a while. So you've got some big plans look I congratulate you it's yeah, oh, a wonderful thing a wonderful thing okay so how do people help you do this? I mean, how are you hoping to achieve these plans? I mean, it does take money. Are you asking for donations? Are you looking for corporate sponsors? What's the plan? Yeah, look, all of the above. And then some, I guess it's just getting the word out. At this stage, I guess I'm happy to keep spending my own money to travel and these sorts of things. But the day will come where we will be doing some crowdfunding. Um, I think that it'll be a beautiful thing if this project can largely be crowdfunded. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. we'll uh, try and, you know, top up whatever bank account we need to with corporate sort of stuff, maybe from some of the film studios or publishers or something like that. I'd like to think that this is a, a project for people that's created by people. And if there's not the desire there, well, then maybe we shouldn't be doing it. I think giving people that opportunity to invest in a project that invests in the happiness of all beings is a lesson in happiness of itself. That's the idea of people to upload their smile or to just share a photo or just get in, in, in touch with us. You know, we're always after people to, to help join our team and, and that sort of thing. There's a page on our, our website about how to give to our project. Do you have a friend in media or, or whatever it might be? There's many different ways that people can engage with us mm-hmm. and help the journey. Oh, yeah. Mike, congratulations. Uh, what you're doing is amazing. Big future, big future ahead for you. So if people want to check out A Million Smiles, it's a million smiles movie. Dot com. Dot com. Or you can search Facebook. I guess everyone's on, we, we primarily, you know, do a lot of our promotion on Facebook. So just A Million Smiles, just search for that and you'll, you'll find it. Fantastic. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you so much, Karen. I can't wait to hear what else is happening. I'm going to be chatting to you again. <laughs> There's thousands of stories you'll be able to discover. So, Yeah, the stories are amazing. The stories are amazing. Thanks, Mike. Cool. Thank you. Cheers. The very inspirational Mike Warsman, founder of A Million Smiles. Remember to upload your smile at amillionsmilesmovie.com. I want to see it there. Be happy. Thanks for joining me for Accentuating the Positive on Soul Traveller Radio. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you missed any of the conversations that I have on the show, you can go to karenswain.com and you can listen to the guests there. Just go to ATP Radio and the drop-down menu, listen to radio guests, and you'll find a lot of the podcasts there. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain or Blissful Beings, Reminders from Home. We're also on Twitter, Pinterest, SoundCloud, Tumblr, Instagram. Ah, oh, look, we're everywhere. Catch you next time. Bye for now. If you know what happiness is, you are.